Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We hope you're blessed and encouraged to share this with someone you know. Subscribe or visit thefamilylife.org for more information. God is good. Amen. And I am thankful. It is good to have everyone here tonight, all our guests. Good to be in church on this Wednesday evening. And I'm thankful for you. You know, most of the time, I'll say some more about this here in a minute, but most of the time I don't have a problem with you. <laughs> most of the time you don't have a problem with me. Isn't that right? Most of the time we just have a problem with ourselves. Yeah. We really want to admit it. Now, sometimes you might take it out on me and I might take it out on you. You might have a problem with somebody across the way, up in front or behind you. But most of the time, what we're really dealing with is just our own heart. And that's what we need to fix. And that's what needs to be surrendered and settled. And sometimes we look at one another and we forget that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and high places. We forget that we're really not wrestling each other. We are wrestling an unseen enemy, the enemy of our soul, the one that wants to trip us and cause us to lose sight of what matters most. Um, So tonight, the answer is simply this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So it's not looking at you, it's not looking at me, it's looking at him. He's the answer. We look at Jesus. Amen? So I'm glad you're here tonight to hear the word and to be a part of it. The 138th Psalm. Psalms 138. Now, if you have not had the chance to read the Bible today, I'm going to read an entire chapter. So you can go home and check that off your list of to-do things so that you can sleep better this evening. As a matter of fact, this would be a good time of the year Uh, for you to find a Bible plan to begin to read for the entirety of next year. Because if you started here in October and you miss a few days in 2023, should the Lord tarry, then you're just not going to be feeling the condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who start Bible reading in October. Right? And so um, I added a little bit there just kind of to help us out. So why don't you do that? And that way, if you find yourself on March... The 17th, um, St. Patrick's Day, or April the 15th, tax day. Um, you, you might miss that day reading. You'll feel better about yourself. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing unto thee, sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answeredest me and strengthened me and with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high yet, Hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, that will revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect 
Everybody say that. The Lord will perfect. Come on, say it. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Let's talk about that. That which concerneth me. That which concerneth me. God, I love your word. I'm so thankful to be back in the house tonight with your people, to hear of you, to understand you, to look at at what you have revealed to us through your word, that we might see you with greater clarity and understanding. And I pray for every household in this place, God, that your word would permeate the atmosphere of who we are and our relationships, uh, both inside the house and outside of it, that we might be pleasing unto you, God, that we might be uh, a city set on a hill. And so, Lord, I pray for every person, every life, every mind, help us this night. Anoint me and anoint this people. And thank you, God, for your good grace and all glory to you in Jesus' name. Let let us say amen together. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I'm looking forward to Sunday. I'm looking forward to what the Lord will do here. Amen. And exciting things coming up in the next few months we'll be talking about. Everybody say amen. Amen. Uh, There is little doubt tonight that most of us would agree that if we could, if we could, we would continue this life, the remainder of it, whatever that is, by death or rapture, we would continue this life with as little resistance, trial and test, and trouble as possible. I think we all would agree with that. That if we could continue from here to there, we would do so if we could, with as little problems as we could. Life would be a stress-free journey from here to heaven, level ground. Level ground the rest of the way, no storms, no clouds, no rain. But the truth is, such is not the case. Nor will it, nor will it ever be in this life. The fallen state of, of man reveals that. It will never be this way in our present state as we are. It's, in, it's important to understand that there is the need for that. There is the need in our life for resistance. The need, there is the need For opposition, as difficult as it may be, there is in fact the blessing that is received by us because of the opposition that faces us. Look at this, if you would, please. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter and the 10th verse. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Right, Right in the middle of infirmities, reproaches, persecution, and distresses, he said there were necessities. Right in the middle of those, of all those descriptions, of all those things that he was acknowledging that, that would be, that are in our life, if, we're, if there were never those necessary things, those elements of life and spirit that resist us, then we would find ourselves feeling no need of the Savior. Yeah. If I never had necessities, I know I'm going to have distresses. You, yeah. you know there's going to be perplexities and problems. We talked about that on Sunday. We know that it's, it's, it's going to be there. But in the middle of all that, the necessities of life, they are, there are necessary things. It is the carnal nature of our culture, and unfortunately so sometimes the church, that we often quickly find our, our flesh becoming self-dependent and overconfident in our own thinking and in our own effort. Uh, we can find ourselves, we can find ourselves very quickly thinking that we're smart. Yeah. No? Yeah. yeah, we can do it. Yeah, we can right. think that we know. We think we can figure it out. We, we think we got it figured out sometimes. 
Um, we wrote the book. We have the degree in it. If we don't have it yet, we're working on it. And so, uh, but the truth of the matter is we need our frailty. I need my frailty. You need your frailty. We need opposition. The storm reminds me of how small I am. Um, The trial takes me to my knees and to become again dependent upon God. My sinful nature arrests my my, my callous, confident carnality that I am uh, that thinks it has arrived and reminds me that I need him to save me from myself. Most of the time, I, I need that's the truth of the matter. I need God just to save me from myself. We're in a time where many have learned too well how to get by knowing the right phrases and, and often the right posture, both in the church and outside the church. But let me speak into the church now. Uh, we, have, we have arrived at a time where many have learned very well how to get by. Um, dependent on our own talents, our own treasures uh, to propel us forward. When the truth is, we may know how, uh, we may know how to have church. We may know how uh, to quote unquote, be the church, uh, to, to be present with presentation that gets us from the beginning to the end. But if there is not, understand this, if there is not a dependence on God and his working, then we are just mechanically going through the motions of it all. And it is presentation with no power. And I really think everybody stick with me right now. And I just need to work through this in my mind and just talk this out with you for just a moment. And I really think, to be honest with you, I think that is somewhat of the demise of the church, especially so in North America, is that we have learned how to have presentation without a particular power of God. And we were warned of that, um, that have a certain presentation without the power in the word. And I believe that the church has fallen to that in many cases. We, we are very good at church. We are. Uh, this 138th Psalm was believed to be one of the last Psalms of David, the closing words of a, of a life well written. So with that perspective in mind, it gives a greater clarity and an understanding as to what he was saying and, and why he was saying it. Uh, his, his praise to God came from his whole heart. If you, just let me break this down for a moment. His praise to God came from his whole heart. He had come to the point that it did not matter the approval or the disapproval uh, of others or, or their beliefs around, uh, around him before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. In other words, there were the negative influence. There was the unbelief of others. There were false gods. There were false ways that were prevalent, that were present around him. But yet he said, I'm still going to, I'm still going to praise you, God. Even in the presence of that idolatry, even in uh, the presence of those things that were opposing uh, what he knew to be truth, he still said, I- I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to praise you, God, wholly, completely. The intimidation and the estimation of others was gone. I will worship toward thy holy temple. There was a posturing that he was establishing and, or indicating that here at the end of his life, he had determined that's the, that is where I'm going to look. That's what I'm going to look to. That is how I'm going to look. Um, the anchor points of God's loving kindness and his truth were, were tried and sure. Now, I'm just, I'm just talking through this entire chapter. So walk with me. If you have not, if you have not, then you and I must find those two things to be the same for our life. They must be anchor points. We need to understand the loving kindness and the truth of God that never diminishes. Because sometimes we think in our mind that the truth and, and we, in our modern terminology of legalism, we think that, that truth leans so much, uh, to the far right that we forget that there is the loving kindness of God that as well deals with us. 
His judgments are, are, are true. They are faithful. They are right. Uh, greater thy tender mercies, O Lord. Cook in me according to thy judgments, David said in Psalms 119. Uh, his judgments are, are real, but his tender mercies, his loving kindness is, is real as well. And, and it must be that we have the loving kindness of God and the truth of God to be the anchor points of our life. Everybody understand this. The loving kindness of God, and I'm not really talking about this tonight, but I feel like I just need to establish this point. The loving kindness of God and the truth of God is the balance of God. It brings us to an equilibrium. It brings us to a place where we understand that, that God deals with, with us in a way that he understands who we are, in a loving, kind way, but yet in a truthful way. We are still required of it, but God's mercy and loving kindness is extended to us in our inadequacies and in our, in our failures and in our weaknesses. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. I have to understand that. I have to be reminded of that because uh, the human nature will take it to extremes. That's why he said, he said, you're, you're full of extortion and excess. Why? Because uh, when he looked at the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were surrounding him, he said, you're full of extortion and excess. In other words, you're not being honest and you're taking everything to the extreme. It, we cannot take things to the extreme in the spirit. We can never go further than what the word states it to be. Yeah. If the word does not state it, then we do not. If the word does not embrace it, then we do not, because we are not judged by opinions. Uh, everybody? We're not judged by opinions. We're judged by the word of God. And so uh, people say, well, I, you, know, you need to preach it hard. You, need say, you cannot preach it any harder than the word states it. Because once we go beyond uh, and, and preach it harder than what the word states it, then we are entering into opinion and not the validity of truth. And we are not tempering it by the mercy and loving kindness that God is. Everybody, everybody okay, say amen. If you're not okay, you can say amen too. That's fine, but still nonetheless. So there needs to be that, that anchor point of God's loving kindness and truth. And, and we all need to come to that place so we understand that and know that. He understood the power and the purpose of the word. He said, for thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. Yeah. Uh, that is a profound statement within the word. Thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. He understood the purpose and the power of the word. He knew that it was not about the tenacity of the flesh. Rather, he said that God strengthened him in his soul. Everybody hear me right now. A spiritual strength must first be found in the depths of the soul before it can ever be practiced in the flesh. Yes. If I am only practicing things in the flesh that is not founded by the depth of the spirit in my soul, then it is just mechanics. That's all it is. It's a repeated response. It's, it's a mimicked response. And so there's got to be a depth of the spirit. There's got to be something deep. Everybody, there's got to be some conviction that is deep within me that causes me to live the way that I live and be the way that I am because it, it convicts me deeply and therefore it's manifested in the flesh. Amen. And so he said, he said of God that he strengthened him in his soul. Everybody needs to be strengthened in their soul because there's going to be some days when our flesh is just weak. Isn't that the truth? Anybody been there this week? I have. Uh, there's just, you, you got to have something deep down because sometimes your flesh will fail you. It won't get it right. But in your soul, that's where your strength is. He understood that God was mindful of the lowly, but the proud that he knew afar off, he said. And then he talked of trouble. He knew what it was to face opposition, to be in the midst or in the middle, in the middle of trouble. Everybody say trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. trouble. David... David had an understanding at this, <clears throat> at this close of his life to be able to look and to say, I have been in the middle, I have been in the middle of trouble and you revived me. You saved me. Your right hand saved me. It, it was God who sustained him. He said he understood that in the middle of trouble, in the, in the middle of a problem, difficulty, trial, test, 
But it was God that had sustained him. It was God that saved him. It was God that had delivered him. And then he said something of the utmost importance. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. David was saying, I have been in the middle of trouble, right in the mix of all that was opposing me, surrounded, if you would, um, surrounded on every side, no escape. Whether it was trouble from the outside sources or self-inflicted was not the issue at this particular point. The issue was that it was there and it was real. It, it was present with him. He had felt it. And the fact is, the fact is life surrounds us with opposition. Every one of us in this place, it may not be today, it may not have been last week, and it may not be next week, but at some point in time, we all find ourselves surrounded or feeling that we are surrounded with opposition. We feel that we are surrounded by the presence of, of problems. It is, a, it is a fact of life. By, we feel that we're surrounded by self and, and sin, all that is and all that will be, it is there. And David said of all that, uh, all of life, all of, all of the trouble that was concerning him, that God was perfecting it. Yes. Everything that concerned him, yes. God was perfecting it. Yes. Now, if you don't hear anything else tonight, I hope you walk away understanding this. He is perfecting that which concerneth you. If it concerns you, I've said this from this pulpit before, if it concerns you, it concerns God. If you are mindful of it in your life right now, he is well aware of it being in your life right now. He knows. And he will perfect that which concerns me, all that is about me. God was using every issue, every sin, every circumstance, every trouble as a means of perfecting. Now, I believe that could be misunderstood when I say that. So I want you to, I want you to, 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 under, to somehow look at this a little more deeply in your heart. Every sin, every problem, every difficulty, God can take that which seems to oppose us even if it's self-inflicted and can use it for our ultimate good. He can perfect even the sin. It doesn't mean it makes us a perfect sinner. It just means that he takes the choices that we make and allows those to be the force that brings us closer to him if we allow it. The diamond, in other words, is only cut or polished through friction. The blade is only sharpened by resistance. Though we don't like it, sometimes the reality of gravity enables you and I to be strong. We are only made stronger by by what comes against us, what weighs us down, if you would. And, and, and it's in those things that concern us, that concern your mind in, in, in the wee hours of the morning, that concerns your mind in the middle of the day, that occupies your attention, those things that concern us, that it is those things that God uses them to perfect us. Um, only in the opposition can we be made strong. It is only through the things that oppose us, that come against us, that cause us to run to him, to look to him, to know him in a greater way. I said it a few weeks ago from this pulpit. I'll echo it again. David said, it is good for me to be afflicted. Why? Because the affliction said he, it taught him his statutes. It made him run to his word. It's important to understand uh, that there are usually, now usually so, there are three conduits through which opposition often works through and how those three things affect us, it determines their impact and their ultimate outcome in our life. First of all, the flow of life. This is often, these three things are often the way that opposition works in our life. The flow of life, the influence of Satan, and the infliction of self. The flow of life, the influence of Satan, and the inflection of self. Opposition is a natural law in, in our living. Um, Things break down. 
All that is temporal deteriorates. Everybody understand that? Uh, try as we might, it's going to break down. It's going to deteriorate. It is going to rust. It is going to warp. It is going to weather away in some capacity. That is just the nature of all that is. Life has its flow. It ebbs and flows. Sometimes it goes at a steady pace, while at other times it, it rages and cuts away the security of the landscape of our, our life like a flood. It is out of our control. It is out of our influence. It is the way of life. It is the way it is. Not all, understand this, not all, the flow of life, not all that opposes us is spiritual. It is just life. Do you believe that? The wise man said this in Ecclesiastes 3. Look at this. If, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Now, this was just a practical statement within the word. Um, if clouds be full of rain, then it rains. Where a tree falls, whether it's going north or south, that's where it falls. Well, guess what? That's where it is. Uh, it's life. That's the way it is. If we spiritualize every event in our life, we can become so imbalanced that we lose sight of what really is spiritual. Just because a tree falls in a certain way does not mean that tree falling in a certain way is spiritual. Now, it can be. Please, don't, you, you know, you may be looking at, at your window and, and it may be just storming. Somebody told me this recently. Uh, they were praying, they were looking out the window storming. They said, oh God, I need that. That tree was leaning this way and God, we need the wind to blow that way. The wind blew that way and the tree fell that way and they spared their house. Thank God, he answered prayer. Uh, but if, you're, if it rains, uh, if it rains on the day you didn't want it to rain, it just rains, right? Um, your tire goes flat, they're out of donuts at Parlor Donuts. They're just out of donuts. Now, that may be God saving you from a heart attack. I don't know. Uh, are you following what I'm, We can't spiritualize everything. Because if we spiritualize everything, then we will never perceive what really is spiritual. Uh, we will make everything so out of proportion that we will forget that there is just a, a flow of life that when the fall of man happened, um, it began the deterioration of, of all that is. Uh, cars rust out. Uh, we have to learn to keep the opposition that comes to us by the flow of life uh, where it's supposed to be in the context of just simply living. Uh, it, it just, it's just the way of life and, and the flow of life comes to us all. And yes, it will cut the course of our life sometimes in a way that we don't necessarily appreciate nor want, but it sometimes is just the way life is. And people say, I heard someone say recently, as a matter of fact, I was mad at God because God did this to uh, this particular entity or that particular group. And when they said that, I thought, why are you mad at God? Uh, I, I recognize he's in control of all things, but understand there is a flow of life that happens because of the fallen nature of man. There is evil at work, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Uh, I, but we have to learn to accept that there's just a flow of life that happens to us. That opposition comes against us because we're just living. And that's the way it is. And that there are problems that we're going to face, and there are difficulties that are going to come against us, and we're going to have to deal with, and we're going to have to change flat tires, and we're going to have to deal with getting old and we're going to have to deal with problems of life that just present themselves to us because that's who we are. And that is the flow of life. And there's nothing wrong with the flow of life when we learn to surrender to the sovereignty of God. When we trust in him, that he is perfecting that which concerns us. But then there's the conduit of Satan and sin. The evil influences in this world. This is the second. 
the evil influences of this world that our flesh and our sinful nature, are, we are drawn into. I, and we are drawn away by our lust, the word says. We have conflict. Why do we have conflict? Why do we have, why are, whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not even the lust of your flesh? They just, that's who we are. And so we buy into that and they draw us and they tease us and, and we find that bait of Satan. They can be uninvited, enemy-inflicted wounds, things that oppose our spirituality, our right living, and, and godly choices. While they cannot always be controlled in their attack against us, know that the prince and power of the air affects us in a profound way. Evil is at work. Look at this scripture, if you would, please. Uh, wherein, uh, wherein in time past, uh, you walked according to the course of, of this world, according to the prince uh, of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Um, so the prince and power of the air working through spirits and people who have submitted themselves to those evil tendencies and nature, spirits, and, and so many things that are the product of, of sinful human nature. Again, the fall of man. So this is yet another way that opposition comes against our life. There are evil influences at work. Do not underestimate. Everybody hear me right now. I'm not one to go around chasing demons. I'm not looking to kick them out from behind every corner in the room. I think you've got to be careful doing that. I think we, have to, uh, we cannot over-spiritualize, I said a moment ago, over-spiritualize things and not recognize what really is spiritual uh, because we can become jaded in that to where we no longer are sensitive to it if we do that all the time. But don't underestimate the work of the devil to try to cause you to be lost. We are fighting a spiritual warfare. We are in, we are in the fight of our life. Do you believe that? There are evil forces that are opposing your forward progression in God. You try to do right. The enemy is going to try to get you to do wrong. You try to live for God, he's going to give you every reason and excuse and every habit and every haunt and everything that to tempt you to keep you from living for God. Right. He's, you're, you gotta, you got to put the spiritual warfare where it is supposed to be. We wrestle not. I said it a moment ago. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We pull down strongholds. How? By the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, by the authority of the Word of God that we stand on. Amen. And you can come against that evil that is coming against you and be victorious. And it cannot be underestimated. And the su- subtlety of it cannot be underestimated. Because there are subtle things at work in your children's mind, in our school systems, in our culture, in our society, uh, that are at work to try to indoctrinate slowly the acceptance of sin over the course of time. Because it is not, it, it, and it will not be, that evil influences alter the church immediately. But if there is the gradual nudging, if there is the slow erosion, uh, the minuscule things that we just don't perceive or recognize or even feel because we we are being sold a bill of goods to buy into it, that it's not that bad. And after all, he is a loving God. And he, why would he send people to hell, which he does not have said that. And, and why would God do this? And why would, but all the while that we hear those things and it's continually put into our mind, suddenly we will find ourselves incrementally, everybody getting this? Yes. Incrementally off course at the end, even if it's minuscule in the beginning. If little by little it is adjusted, the destination point of the church is altered because she allowed influences within her to be accepted ultimately and thereby submitted to the opposition 
of evil that was at work. There are evil forces that are at work in our world. There's a spiritual battle that you and I are facing. However, how we react to those influences can be controlled. And that is, that's important to understand. I don't have to, I don't have to submit to it. You don't have to buy into it. You don't have to give into it. I know everybody says you do, but you don't. Now that's quiet. I should have got an amen on that. You don't have to submit to it. You don't have to come into league with it. You don't have to agree with it. You might stand alone, but you'll, you're really not standing alone. He always stands with you. You might be a lone voice, but that's okay. Speak it even if your voice is shaken. Yes. Stand and be strong, even if you're the only one standing and being strong. Yes. Um, how, how we react to those influences can be controlled. And that is the third thing, the inflex, infliction of, uh, of, uh, or inflictions of self, because they're often multiple. The invited wounds, those things that are asked in, the self-inflicted ones, the sin that is acted upon, the opposition that is invited. Look at this. Now, here we go. This is uh, Romans 7. You love this. I know you do. For the good that I, because this is every one of us, Paul recognized this is where we all live right here. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Uh, Now, if I do it, uh, do that, I would not. It is no more that, no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Uh, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Everybody still with me? For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Let's go on. Uh, but I see, I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Uh, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. There's the answer. Uh, who's going to deliver me? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, um, the law of sin. This is often where we are most vulnerable. Uh, we don't just happen into the middle of trouble. We set the GPS to get into the middle of trouble. We ask for it. We enter into it. We buy into it. Uh, we look at it. We do it. We say it. We're there. We're a party to it. And this is where we have to stop. Uh, there's going to be the evil enticement. There's going to be the things that, that try to get us to agree with it. But we don't have to agree with it. And I recognize everybody in this place. We all struggle with this. What I would do, uh, I, I shouldn't do. And, and, and we go back and forth and we battle with this. Oh, God, help me. Um, and, and we struggle with this vulnerable place. And, and we enter into it. Heartache and hurt could be spared so many times in our life if we would first simply stop and pray before we speak and before we act, find the right response in the word, think of how we would want to be dealt with if the roles were reversed, Uh, uh, pray before we enter into the temptation, uh, because most of the time if we're praying uh, in the temptation, we will not enter into the temptation. It is one thing to come to the threshold, it is another thing to cross the threshold. While the fruit was in front of Eve, still she did not have to consume it. There is the choice not to sin. There is always a way of escape. There hath no temptation. Look at this next scripture. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as common as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above that ye are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Jesus never blocks the exits. He doesn't. He always makes a way out because the truth of the matter is we will find what we are searching for, be it sin or salvation. Right. We will find what we are searching for. Right. If we are searching for salvation, we will see the door. Yeah. If we are searching for sin, 
we will see that door as well. Uh, but God never blocks a way of escape. There's always a way to pray out of it. There's always a way to pray through it. Everybody with me say amen. amen. Um, yet even in the trouble, in the trouble, if the trouble is invited or, or if it's uninvited or, or just the way life is, I believe God is using all those things to perfect me, to make me better and, and to ultimately save me. Now, again, I want to be cautious here because, and I said this Sunday, this is not a license to sin. This is not saying, well, grace overlooks um, my failures or, or God's mercy somehow uh, turns a blind eye at, at my inadequacies. That, that's not what this is about. Uh, we have to understand this. It's not to say, well, I can go on and sin and do and be and whatever, and God's going to take that and he's going to work it for my good. Yeah, the goodness of God will often work that way. But at the same time, the very nature of who we are can be changed by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the name that's applied to our life, by the Holy Ghost within us. Amen. It can change that nature. We don't have to keep buying into it. We don't have to keep entering into sin. We don't have to agree with the world that is untoward God. Everybody believe that tonight. I hope this church will always embrace that and believe that. We don't have to buy into a culture that is not towards God. We are a people that is moving towards heaven. We are a people that wants to be more spiritual, not more carnal. We are a people that wants to be holy, not unholy. We want to be godly, not ungodly in our talking choices. There's, a, there's great hope in, in, in the last few phrases of this psalm. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of, of, thine, own, of thine own hands. And I, 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 am, I am thankful that there was the plural on that work. It is not just about one work, but it is about the works of his hands. There are things happening uh, all around my life and in my life that God is working on. And God in his perfection and sovereignty can work them all together for our good. Even at the end. David was asking God to, to not give up on him. Um, don't forsake. Don't forsake the works of your hands, God. Don't, don't stop working on me. Don't, don't stop perfecting me, even if it's uncomfortable. Uh, no chastening at the moment, the word said, is good. it's comfortable. It doesn't seem comfortable, but it is good. It brings forth a better work in us. That should be our prayer, that God would never give up on us. Anybody? Come on, senior saint, don't you agree with that? God, don't ever give up on me. No matter where I'm at in life, don't ever give up on me. God, please show your mercy, extend your mercy. Don't, get, don't give up on me. Jesus, don't ever stop convicting me. Don't ever, don't ever stop dealing with me. When I am rebellious and full of myself, break me again and mold me back in love. Amen. That should be our prayer. God, see where I'm at. God knows where you're at, but ask God to see where you're at. Ask him, ask him to come back to a place, to, to that place to where you're molded and, and made and new and, and, and you're, you're revived in the spirit and you're recognizing and you're sensitive and conviction. Amen. Whatever it is, whatever it is we have to go through, God can take that and use it for our good. To perfect you and I in those things that concern us. Now, if I started on the left over here and I worked all the way through and finally to me. Every, every one of us tonight, I would feel safe to say, have things that are concerning us. Yes. Yes. Would yes. you? Yes. Would you agree? There are certain things. Now, some might seem like uh, minuscule things to one and monumental things to others. But every one of us, we got things that we're dealing with. Yeah. We got things that we're concerned about. Things that we pray on a daily basis. Things that we're dealing with on a daily basis. And I thought about this before I came to the pulpit in the past few days. Um, sometimes I, I just... Uh, when I pray, and I'm done here tonight, so just stick with me. Matter of fact, go on and stand. Uh, some, come on, stand with me. Um, sometimes when I pray, I just, this is how I pray. I broadcast the seed. I broadcast the prayer. I, I uh, 
I cast it out there and I pray in general terms when there are certain times that I need to pray specifically. When there is a certain thing that is concerning me, there's a certain thing about me, there are certain things that are in front of me. It's not just the generalities of life that we often pray for, but it is that thing that we need God, we need God to intervene in. So that's how we're gonna end tonight. Whatever you have concerning you, whatever it is in front of you right now, I'm asking you just to take that to the Lord for a moment. Just for a moment, just say, God, I need you to look at this. I need you to help me with this, God. Come on, would you pray with me, God? Right now, you see all of us here. You don't have to pray loud. If it's something private you want to pray about, then, then just pray quietly. But if you want to lift your voice, whatever, just, but just say, Lord, you see that need. You see who I am. You see what I'm dealing with. You see where I'm struggling. You see that problem. You see that thing that I'm concerned about and that thing that concerneth me. And Lord, I know that if it matters to me, then it matters to you, God. And how I feel about it and how you see I feel about it, Lord, you know it. And you're going you're gonna to perfect that thing. You're going you're gonna to take care of it. You're, it. It may take some molding and making. It may take some time. And, and there may be resistance, God, that is necessary for me to go through. And there may be things that I have to make choices on. But God, I, I believe, I believe tonight that you see our prayers. You hear us. And we're praying specifically, God, for that thing in our own way, God, about our own life. God, before we ever arrived at this point, before we ever got here, you seen us, you knew us, and you made provision, and you, you stored it up for us, God, and you gave us the promise of the provision. And now, Lord, we're asking for that provision to be dealt to us and that you would help us, God, as, as a people here tonight in every prayer in this place, that, that, Lord, you would help people to walk out of this place tonight to know that you're perfecting that which is concerning them. Whatever's concerning them, God, you, you know and you love and you care about them and so, God, we're believing in Jesus' name. Come on, I ask you to call that name that is above that thing that you're praying about right now, that name that's above it. Jesus, we're praying your name over it, and we're pleading your blood over it, God, and, and we're calling out your good grace for your great glory, that, Lord, you would be magnified in it and through us and because of it, Lord, and that would we, uh, we would ultimately be saved, God, because, Lord, this life is fleeting, so help it to be that we glorify you here so that we can be in glory with you there. And so God, right now, in Jesus' name, I plead your blood over this people. And I pray in Jesus' name over this people. I call out your word, God, your word, your way that is perfect, your word that is forever settled in heaven. Let it be evident, let it be real, let it be felt in this place, in everybody's life, in everybody's home, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you love us that way. Come on, would you magnify God with me right now? God, I magnify you and praise you for this. And I thank you, Lord, how good you are. How good you are, God. I love you, Jesus. And I hope in you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let the church say in Jesus' name. Walk out of this place tonight encouraged to know that God hears your prayer. And he cares about what you care about. In Jesus' name, I love you. I'll see you here Sunday. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. In the name of the Lord, greet your brothers and sisters. Amen.